This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 257 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. OTTBs, please. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are EquityMFG.com for the best manure forks in the world and Fleeceworks for the finest fleece pads that you'll find anywhere at Fleeceworks.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. We bring you the news through hail or high water while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable School. Stable School. Stable School. This is Glenn the Geek. And this is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Howdy, Helena. Good morning, Glenn. How are you doing today? Okay, I couldn't wait to talk to you this week. I know. You have a lot to talk about. You got more stuff going on. I know. I told the whole story on the morning show, so I'll spare everybody that listened to it. They can go back and listen to it on Monday. But uh, we went to Craigslist shopping. Jennifer sent me a couple Craigslist ads for... She finally agreed that I could get a pony and not a horse. Because you know me, I love ponies. I'm, I drove ponies. I love ponies. I like ponies and draft horses. And uh, that's just what my favorite is. And she kept wanting me to get a horse because that way we could drive and ride it. And when we had company over, then somebody, you know, would have something to ride in addition to Beaker. Right. Well, she finally gave in and said, well, look, he's not in any hurry to get a horse. Obviously, he just wants a pony. So she gave in, and then she sends me these couple Craigslist ads for a couple little uh, half or hackney ponies. They were 12 and a half hands. So we went out and looked uh, on Saturday. We went out to the first place, and it was a beautiful little mare, fat as fat could be. I mean, over, <laughs> overly fat. Shiny, beautiful place, beautiful farm. Everything was cool. And the pony had some work on it. I would say it wasn't, you know, totally broke. But Jennifer ground drove it, and it was, it was fine. Didn't do anything wrong. Cute, cute as a Dickens. Looked like a little Frisian, actually. And then, um, you know, and, and I was thinking, wow, you know, this isn't too bad. It was like 500 bucks, so that was the right price. Ponies are going cheap right now. So, you know, we said, well, we have the appointment to go see the other one. Why don't we go see the other one, and then we'll let you know. So we drive a freaking hour into the middle of nowhere florida i mean the country there wasn't a grocery store we we were almost running out of gas there was a big storm coming it was going to be you know violent thunder and lightning and rain in about two minutes and here we are driving i said why didn't we just buy the first (laughs) so we're driving out. We get Spoken there. Spoken like a true horse husband. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, why didn't we just buy the first one? It's inconvenient. I'd to have go been look done by horse. ten o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it's inconvenient. I'm making a life decision, but you know what? There's a storm coming. I might be running out of gas, so let's just hurry up and buy the first thing we see. <laughs> Jennifer's like, well, I like the pictures of the face in the other one better. So now the other one looked much skinnier in the pictures. So the second one. So we finally get there. It's on the. It's. We drove at least 10, 15 minutes on sand, bumpy roads to get back to this place in the middle of the woods. And it's trailers and shacks and, you know, just very run-down area. So we pull in, and, uh, and the house has no front door. It's just open. And then there's the windows don't have windows, and, and the fields are bare, just barren sand, uh, just nothing. And the trees have, they have about 10 horses, all skinny. They have about 15 goats, all skinny. And she's making babies with these horses. So. Oh, my God. I know. Brand new babies on the ground. Oh, my God. Cutest little paint baby you ever saw. So they're in these dry lot paddocks with with what had just been delivered big round bales. Just been delivered probably the day before. Because they hadn't made a dent in the sides yet. And obviously these horses hadn't eaten much. So we, we uh, she says, oh, it's all the way in the field in the back. Well, and she said, I have to apologize. He's pretty skinny now. And it had been about two months since the first ad was put up. And he apparently fights with one of the other horses. So she had to separate him. Well, apparently when she separated, she forgot to feed him. 
because he, well, he was a, what would you say? You saw the pictures of one on the scale, you know? Oh, gosh, uh, yeah. You know, he was, and then what we really got concerned about is Jennifer, while, while she was getting her daughter to throw her on to see that, prove that she could ride, that, you know, this pony could be ridden, was like, don't do anything with this pony, he's going to keel over. And I mean, he was skin and bones, no fat at all. He wasn't dehydrated, but uh, definitely skin and bones. And he was eating off this bale, this big round bale. And Jennifer pulled some hay out of it and said, this round bale has just been baled. It's fermenting. It hasn't cured yet. And that's not good for horses. So, and she asked the lady then, she said, when did you get this round bale? Oh, you know, would you? she made it sound like it was a week ago, but it was actually just yesterday. And she said, oh, and they've just been baled. It's fresh hay. Like, oh no. This pony that was starving, that's a one on the scale, has now been given this hay that's not cured yet. Which you're which you're not supposed to do, obviously. So we were like, this pony's gonna die within the next two days. Yeah. And he went to the bathroom, was totally liquid. Just nothing. Ugh. Just totally liquid. Oh my god. And she said, Oh yeah, a lot of the horses are like that. And we're going, Oh no, because they're all getting the same hay. So we uh Jennifer looked at me and I looked at her. And I, I asked the lady, I said, can we talk for a couple of minutes? And, and she walked away. We hadn't done anything with this pony at this point because we could, you know, I walked it. We couldn't really trot it because there were little sticks all over the paddock and metal things. And, you know, it was bad. All the trees had had the bark eaten off of them. There wasn't a tree. Oh, my God, I'm at, sick. And every I'm leaf sick. in the place had been eaten that they could reach. Sick. So... I, so the, she walked away and I said to Jennifer, you know, there's a fat, happy one <laughs> back there. And Jennifer looked at me and said, you, she said, you know, we have to do this. And I said, okay, I guess, I guess we'll, we should do this. And he was cute. He's really cute. And I said, yeah, you're right. We have to do this because the pony's not going to live another day or two. So the lady came back and I said, look, and I, she was asking too much for this pony. And I said, I'll just give you that. We'll be back. We went home. We drove another hour home to get our trailer. Drove an hour. We had to stop at the tack shop and pick up a halter because the halter she had was made of baletoin. So we knew we had to have something a little better to haul this poor thing. It wears a weanling size. It's a, it's, the pony's so small, it wears a weanling size. So pony size was too big. So we, uh, we, we went back. When we got there, Helena... We pull in the driveway again with the trailer to pick up the pony. She had brought it out of the backfield and had it tethered to the tree in the front yard with about a 20-foot rope. So the pony was was making laps and slowly tying himself to the tree around the tree in the front yard. With his big twine halter. So, so I get out. And I said, Jennifer, you go deal with the paperwork. I'm going to make sure this pony doesn't kill himself before we get him onto the trailer. So I put his halter on, and, and uh, he walked right up on the trailer. Just jumped right in. No problem. I'm sure he was saying, well, get me the hell out of here. Um, so he jumped right in, hauled fine home. Uh, those pictures that you saw on Facebook that I posted on the Stable Scoop Facebook page, and everybody can go ahead over there and see them if you haven't. Uh, we're, we're the minute we got home, so that was right after he got home. But uh, he is doing, he's spent three days now that he's been here, and he's doing great. His poop is almost solid. He's eating, like, you know, everything we're giving him, which we have to restrict that. But um, And you have to restrict it because you don't want to shock his system. Right. You can't feed him too much when they're really, really down to a one on the health scale like that. Um, yep. You have to slowly bring food back into the picture again. And we have coastal hay, which has, like, you know, it's, like, no nutritional value whatsoever. But so he pretty much can get whatever he wants of that. And then uh, he gets some alfalfa, a little bit of alfalfa, and then some beet pulp, uh, you know, to help fatten him up a little bit. Yep. But, and, and a little bit of grass. And that's all he's getting right now. But he's improved 100% since he's been here. His attitude, he's, uh, being, he's more like a hackney uh, attitude now. Uh, that's come out a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit of a headstrong pony. So, uh, and I owned a Hackney before and had so much fun driving that Hackney. So I'm kind of glad I have a Hackney again. And Hackneys yeah. are, are fun to drive. And they can pull, you know, two people. Those little ponies can pull people because they just put, they just put everything into it. And, and, and you know what? Considering his beginnings with you, that even if he's a feisty little Hackney, when he is healthy again and working, 
you'll always appreciate it because you'll always remember how he came to you. Oh, and I like the feisty little ones anyway. <laughs> uh, yes, you, yes, you do. This, which is why you and I get along so well. <laughs> That's right. So, yep, he's we. His name was Origami, which kind of is a weird name. So. That's his actually registered name. He, we, she actually had his papers, so we have his papers. He was actually, uh, he grew up right here in Ocala. I think so, that's cute, origami. I know, it is cute, but it's too long and I can't spell it. So, um, <laughs> so we, we were trying to honest. think of another name. And uh, everybody kept, that saw him kept going, oh, what a poor thing. What a poor thing. So we've named him P.T. for poor thing. P.T. for poor thing. <laughs> and Jennifer said uh, when I start driving and we can call him P.T. Cruiser. P.T. Cruiser, that's awesome. That's awesome. And yeah, and you're going to be like, oh, poor thing when he's all fat and round and you guys have to put a grazing muzzle on him because he's, you I know, think if he gets a lot more ornery, the healthier he gets, his name might change to L.S. for a little, you know, but yeah. uh, <laughs> that could change. Oh, I'm so glad that you have a pony, though. Like, I know. Do you realize it's been 13 years since I owned my own pony? Wow. It's been a long time. It really has been a long time. We didn't realize time flies, you know. We've owned horses together and stuff. But till I actually owned my own ho- horse or pony, it's been, it's been almost 13 years. Now, don't, don't feel too sorry for me. When we had our big farm, I had more horses than Jennifer. So, <laughs> you know, I wasn't hurting for ponies and horses. Yeah, yeah, not surprised. <laughs> I, had dra- I had draft horses and ponies all at the same time, so... So, yeah, so it is fun to own one again, and I think he's going to be a good little guy. Every, all indications, he doesn't mind fly spray, he likes to be brushed, uh, you know, his face, his ears, nothing. So I think all indications were he was worked with before and had been handled, and probably, you know, the, the ad had him in a driving cart driving. So I think he was too skinny to do anything about it, but <laughs> you know, so we'll see when he gets fat and happy how that goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that's so that now so now we both own Craigslist horses. That's right, we do actually. Yeah, apparently that's the place to go, man. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to bring the uh, the fat mare home too, but Jennifer said I wasn't allowed to do a pair until I until I get this pony broke. So, um, so I have to do this one first. Okay. But, you know, it was, you know, it, I did think about it for a little bit. I have to be honest, when we got there, you, yes, I wanted to save this one, but we had just come from the perfect fat and bare pony that was about the same size. You know, a good-looking pony. You know, you do think about that, you know, when you're there. And, uh, you know, I knew what we had to do, but, you know, I was also a little bit torn. Is that wrong? Is it wrong that I was a little torn? No. Gosh, no. I mean... You, because there's that common sense in you that's well, maybe not so common sense, but the good sense that says this is a decision I'm making for the rest of this animal's life, which could be for the rest of my life, you know. And, um, Jeez, now that you put am it I, that way. What am I getting? <laughs> yeah. What am I getting into? Yeah. But you, right. You, but you also have had enough horses to know that and dogs and cats to know the ones that need you end up being the best ones ever. Right. You, you know, when I, I kept thinking back to the pony that, you know, was my lifetime pony, Piper, that we bought at the auction was going to the killers. And, you know, she was fat. She wasn't, you know, it wasn't like she showed up like this one. But, you know, that was her next stop. We bought her for 90 bucks, you know, at the auction. And she turned out to be my lifetime pony, and we had her till she was 45. Mm. So, you know, it, uh, you're absolutely right about that, about that part of it. But, you know, yeah, and I'm glad we did it. I really am. Uh, there's no second thoughts yet. I'll let you know next week. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> now, we did go into it, though, and that's what today's show's about. We have some guests coming on. Uh, one of them is a blogger that Susan Salk that runs OffTrackThoroughbreds.com, which is a really neat website about the uh, OTTBs. And we're having Melissa Rundershausen on, who, is, who, who actually was at the New Holland auction also, and and rescued a horse there, and we're going to tell that story. But not all of these stories have happy endings. And when Jennifer and I, on our way, you know, before we decided which one we were going to get, while we were standing in the field with this pony who was eating, you know, hay that was going to kill it, um, you know, we, were, we said to each other, we have to, we have to agree and understand that this pony could die. We don't know what it has. We don't know what the problems are. It could die in the next couple of days or next week. And we have to accept the fact that that's what's going to happen. And I, I said to her, at least he'll die happy with a full belly, you know. So, um, so that's, we, we made that decision that, you know, we were going to take the chance. 
Um, but we went into it knowing that and that they're not all happy endings, and they aren't. And we're going to hear about one of those uh, a little bit later today, but a lot of them are happy endings, and, and we're going to hear about some of those too. So we'll hear about a little bit of both today. Hey, we we want to do the the full, um, a well-rounded perspective on bringing home the unwanteds. That's right. That is correct. And, and, you know, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to do it either. You know, obviously we did it not knowing if this pony was going to make it. Seriously, didn't know if the pony was going to be standing up when we got home in the trailer after an hour drive. Uh, We talked about that. How are we going to tie them? You know, all that stuff. Because we weren't sure. Um and you know those, but that's that's the risk you take when you're when you when you want to do something good for an animal that's been starved or neglected or something like that. There is a risk, and you have to understand that going in. You have to be willing to to absorb the financial costs of doing that, um, and, and the emotional and the emotional costs. Cost, yep. Yeah, yep, yeah, it's yep. true. I mean, there's both um, of those things because you do fall in love with these little guys real quick. <laughs> yep, you do, and you also fall in love with the idea of saving them right and you know that can be a very powerful motivator it can make you do things that you wouldn't have otherwise done so to you know to keep your sense of practicality when you're in the middle of this when this skinny weak sick about to die pony is looking you in the face it's really hard to say i'm going to bring him home but he might not last right and what are we going to do and um But again, you and Jen, this isn't your first rodeo. (laughs) No, and you know, we're actually a little tougher, and I don't want to say hard-hearted, but we're a little, you know, we look at things practically because we've been in this business for a long time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I used to, like, argue with Jen about it. I'm like, how can you be so hard-hearted? And she'd be like, please. (laughs) But, you know, we have been in this business a long time. We've had a lot of horses, and we've seen it all. You know, we've seen people make mistakes. We've seen people get off the track thoroughbreds that shouldn't have them, and, and the lady gets a broken neck the day after. Um, because the you know she gets on the ride off the track thoroughbred with no training and and he gets bucked off and hits a wall, right. so you know we've seen all of those kinds of things and we've seen people who've done it right and done it wrong, and done it for the right reasons and the wrong reasons and you you know if you're going to be in the horse saving business you know that's that's one thing you understand that that's the business you're in but um, you also have to understand that there are some uh, uh, emotional and and economical ups and downs to all of that so. Uh, anyway, I don't want to get preachy here. Let's, uh, before we get to our first guest, which I'm very excited to talk to, this is one of our uh, Helene and I's favorite topics, is, uh, is rescues of all kinds. We're going to talk about fleece works. You know, if you have the horse that you rescued, or the horse that you bought, or however you've come about your horse, fleece works has the best fleece products out there on the market today. These, uh, they're always set up from us, right, uh, right across from us at uh, Ada when we're there at the uh, trade show. And, you know, every time I'm not looking, Helena's over there playing with the fleece pads and rubbing on them, and I'm over there sitting on it. And, you know, it, they're just the softest, nicest fleece pads out there today. Uh, they, they, they use nothing but the hand-selected Australian Merino sheepskin. Uh, they, are, they are well-made. They will last you, too. So we, we want you to take a look at fleeceworks.com. We use their pads. We know a lot of people, professional riders that use their pads. They have dressage pads. They have all-purpose pads. They have full pads. They have half pads, square pads. They have Therawool pads that are really nice that, that I, I think everybody would really like. It's a less expensive option, but still getting the advantages of wool. So take a look at fleeceworks.com for the finest in your wool and fleece pads. Well, next up, we have Susan Salk with us, Helena. She is the blogger for Off the Track, OffTrackThoroughbreds.com. And we're going to talk to her about her blog. And joining her is Melissa Rundershausen. And I keep wanting to say that wrong because we also know Missy Ranshausen. So, nice. which is really close. <laughs> It's really close. But uh, two different sports. I think Melissa is into hunter jumpers. We'll talk to her as well about uh, one of the rescues that she had. So let's hear some stories right now. Why, well, Susan, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. You know, we're, I'm so excited to have you on. I've actually been a follower, of, a follower of your blog for quite some time now, and I've been wanting to have you on a show, and then I saw this one story come up that we're going to talk about in a few minutes, and I was like, okay, now it's just the time to do this. But tell us about OffTrackThoroughbreds.com. 
How did you start uh, it and why? Well, first, Glenn, thank you. I, I'm always so flattered and amazed when my site gets out there and gets attention. Um, I started the blog. We're always screen. amazed when anybody listens to the show, so we're with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I know what you mean. Um, so three and a half years ago, uh, I started the blog, and it came out of a couple of things. I had been, I'm just a, a re-rider. Uh, I'd been taking horseback riding lessons for some time, and I had been paired with, uh, she wasn't an OTTB, but she was a race-trained thoroughbred mare, and her uh, her jockey club name was Revenging Donnie, and she was good for anybody. I mean, she just she was a perfect horse. And around the same time, I started hearing stories. I became aware of the horse slaughter uh, issue, the problem with unwanted horses. And um, shortly after that, it just it coalesced. Uh, I had taken a course in uh, blog creation and. I just hey, came up with the wait idea a minute, that, wait a minute. Let's yeah. stop right there. Helena's I'm chuckling sorry. now, too, I guarantee you. I I'm probably babbling. Oh. Well, no, I was just <laughs> no. going to say, you're the first one we've ever met that's taken a course in creating a blog. Most most of us just do it and then, you know, figure it out along the way. So congratulations. You're the, the only one we've ever met. <laughs> well, they, you know what? They offer degree programs in really? that stuff now. Yes, they wow. do. Wow. Yep. Who knew? Wow. <laughs> I took a, uh, my course was, actually, it wasn't, entirely in blog creation. I, I should amend that before my teacher kills me, but it, it's at Emerson College, and it, it covered um, blogs and so forth. Oh, so cool. that's yeah. Well, <clears throat> it shows in your blog, by the way. So. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. There's quality there. <laughs> so now, was your goal to... What was your goal with the blog? Was it to just highlight all the different stories from off-the-track thoroughbreds that have found new homes? What was the goal? The goal uh, was pretty simple. I wanted to help add to the positive buzz uh, about x-ray source thoroughbreds. Um, I wanted to help, I guess, in a way, promote them uh, to the horse buying public. I realized it was a very narrow niche, but um, I felt that they had a bad rap based on my own personal experience. And um, so that was pretty much the the goal was very simple, um, you know, and straightforward. So, uh, I, and this was my answer, I guess, to trying to help with the unwanted horse issue. I, you know, I don't have the, um, uh, I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, I, I could not go to a kill pen and actually rescue a horse, but this is kind of my way of helping. And I think that was my goal. And once you started to write, did you find that the material, the content came very easily or did you have to actually plan and strategize about you know, and, and get organized about what you were blogging about. Yeah, that's really interesting because at the beginning, since I don't have any kind of a name in the horse world or, an, you know, I am a form, I used to be a newspaper reporter uh, for many years. And after that, I worked in academia as a uh, press writer, but I have no background in the horse world. So um, at first it was just getting anybody to talk to me. I would make three or four <laughs> phone calls and they didn't know who I was. So, um, that sounds familiar too. <laughs> you know, exactly, oh yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah. yeah. Alina, do we have a guest at, this week? No, nobody would talk to us. <laughs> right. Alcohol well, that's exactly helps. what I went through. And then alcohol. it just kind of, what? <laughs> that's funny. She said alcohol helps. Just, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> and then it just it, it kind of it just kind of grew obviously through social media and word of mouth. Um, so then I guess I'm to the point in some cases where I I pluck the low hanging fruit. You know the people who get into I get a lot of uh, people who uh, send me stories about their horses. They write to me. Um, I have several rehoming organizations that I contact regularly, people in various aspects of the industry, whether they're in the um, thoroughbred racing world or the rehoming world. And so I start, I have like a growing network, I guess, that I pester (laughs) regularly. 
I'll tell you what, you know, Helene and I are also marketers, you know, by trade. And what oh, we, wow. you always wait for the day that you get to the point where you can pick low hanging fruit because, boy, that's what you work for. I mean, that's what you work so hard for. Yeah. Is that day? Because there, for the first several years, and no matter what you do, especially in the horse world, there isn't any low hanging fruit. It's just all hard. You know, it's. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think so. Especially, and they don't know you who know, you, you are. You're nuts. We don't do horse people don't do fruit, they do nuts. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Well, that's so true. Sorry, well, now, all silly. right, let's get let's get our other guest into this uh uh into this picture. And uh, this is uh Melissa Rundershausen and how did you come across Melissa's story? Oh, uh yes, how I came across this. Uh a lady in California named Deborah Jones, who's a thoroughbred advocate who um she just seems to be in touch with everybody. She called me and told me that there was this great story uh, about about Mascot and put me in touch with Melissa. And it was just, I think it's one of my all-time favorites. Um, Melissa's story, everything from how they met at, at New Holland, how the horse just happened to break his tether and and canter over to her as she was walking past and that this was a formerly pretty successful race racehorse who had earned almost a quarter million on the track and uh, nobody was interested in not even the meat buyers and so it just really had all the hallmarks of just a very poignant story about you know just a fluke that saved this horse all and, right well let's and let's so that, do anyway. this well let's bring <laughs> melissa in howdy melissa Hi. Thank you so much for taking the time and busy doing what you do, and we really appreciate it. And by the way, I keep trying to say Missy Ranshausen because she's a friend of, friends of ours, and boy, your two names are really close. <laughs> like, yes, yes, they are. I had a discussion about that yesterday with a girl who works for me, and she also works for Missy Ranshausen. So, oh, really? Ironically. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. How does she, she must mix up those names all the time. And Missy's great. We love <laughs> Missy. She's friends. We're friends with her. Um, so, Melissa, tell us, you know, we, I grew up in, by the way, I grew up in New Holland. I went to high school in New Holland. I had an office that was in the same block as the New Holland auction. Um, and wow. yeah, so I, we spent, you know, I bought, we've, we've rescued many ponies from New Holland when we lived there and, and done that. So what made you want to tr- stop at the auction that day? Well, I have been going to New Holland auction. I live in Unionville, Pennsylvania, which is about 45 minutes oh, yeah. away. So it's, it's a pretty easy drive. And, uh, I was a um, naughty kid in school. Instead of going to school on Monday, me and my mom would sneak up to New Holland, <laughs> and uh, we started rescuing ponies. There's and horse people for you. <laughs> you know, retrain them and sell them, and uh, I just kind of got addicted to going up there. And I just I love auctions of any type, and so I kind of got the you know the lay of the land there at New Holland and started going up more and more and more and. Um, when back in 2010, I rescued my first off-the-track thoroughbred there, and he just turned out to be so wonderful. I decided I wanted to start rescuing more. So um, I go up there every, you know, every now and then. I actually live in Ocala, Florida now, but every time I'm up here in Pennsylvania, I try to go up there and see what's there. And um, that particular day, I found mascot. I was not thinking of purchasing one and I was actually leaving the auction when he walked in or hobbling in, as I should say and um, an Amish guy tied him up and I immediately ran over to him and checked his tattoo because even though he was skinny you could tell you know there was just something special about him that's for sure so I checked his tattoo checked his record and I go oh this is this was a nice racehorse mascot had won over 250,000 on the track and I immediately called the I call her the thoroughbred tiger, um, Deborah Jones, who seems to have just connections with everyone. And uh, we were trying to, you know, line up how to save this guy. And I just said, you know what, I don't want him to go to anywhere else. So I paid the sixty dollars it took to buy him, and uh, he came home with me. And I'm looking hmm. at his picture, and you know, he was the pony I just bought was probably a one, one and a half on the scale. This one was probably a half on the health oh, scale. Yeah. He was. 
he was a, a sad-looking case when he got a home and, and uh, hobbling as well. And let's before we get off the auction there for a minute, uh, you've been going there for years, and you know I haven't been there in years, but you know we did go, and I grew up around there. There, there was a justice of the peace, uh, and I never forget him because I knew him from town. He used to be the police chief, and then became justice of the peace. Who really set out a vendetta to clean New Holland auction up, and to to you know he was he would have his policemen stop all the trucks heading out of town and find him every week, and he really did try and clean it up. There were police, state police, and veterinarians that would be on site on Mondays. And he would find the auction constantly. You know, he just had a vendetta against him. Thank God, uh, Rod Hartman was his name. I don't know if he's still doing it, but has it? Have you seen a change in the last twenty years at that auction? Has it been cleaned up some, or is it going back, or what? What's the story? Um, to be honest, I have not seen a large change. Okay. I mean, I've been going for probably ten years, twelve years. I have not seen a large change. The only thing I would say is sometimes I would go and there'd be a, a pile of dead horses in the back. Yeah. And I've never seen, I haven't seen that in the past five or seven years. Um, when I was young, mm-hmm. I do remember in the back, there always seemed to be one or two horses dead. Now, the conditions to me have pretty much been the same. They did add footing to the ring where they actually ride the horses and so that's been a little bit safer. Before it was just kind of concrete and they would slide everywhere. Um, I'd say that's better. Um, other than that, it, it's almost identical to when I started going there in you know, elementary school. Wow. It's pretty, wow. pretty, pretty rough, but um, just with the amount of horses there and just the danger to the the public by the way you have to walk through the horses are tied with their heads to the pole. And then, so you have this line of butts, two lines of butts. Yeah, it is intimidating. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a little, a little unsafe. You have to be extremely careful, especially if you're going to go check tattoos and climb in between horses. And it's, it's a little hazardous, but as far as conditions, I'd say they're, they're almost the same. And there's a lot more eyeballs on what's going on down there now with the, internet and even with social media people are sharing photos and horses that are available and stuff so there's a lot more awareness not only of the conditions but what's coming what's going in and what's coming out of there what's actually happening i'm surprised that i'm surprised that that hasn't had a more acute effect on the state of the auction house or maybe it just takes time well, it's funny, before before we had, you know, cell phones that can take pictures and videos and instantly post, um, you know, 10 years ago, they were very no-no about pictures. They were very strict. If they call yeah. you taking a picture, you would get yelled at. Yep. And now it's just so unavoidable that they just kind of threw up their arms and I've never gotten in trouble by taking a picture lately or I haven't seen anyone really get in trouble. People take videos and, you know, it's posted, it's kind of known now that, you know, this is what it is. And, um, but it's interesting that back in the day they really cared and now they just, it is what it is. Kind yeah, of I mean, you're not going to fight that battle today. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. So now let's uh, continue on with Mascot's story. What happened with Mascot when you got him home? By the way, I just want to add this disclaimer. When you're going to an auction like that, uh, New Holland, or any, there's a number of those across the country, and, you know, and Melissa knows this, but when you go home, you change your clothes, you don't go play with the other horses, you wash up, you make sure that... Uh, that uh, anything you you communicated at the auction, you do not communicate to your horses, um, and you know, and you separate those horses when you get them home. They're segregated; they're not put in with the population. Those are all just the, the cautions you have to take when you buy from an auction, any auction, because uh, Lord knows what what shows up, especially at New Holland. But now you got them home. What happened? We got them home. Luckily, at that point, um, our barn was completely empty since I was living in Florida at the time. So we brought him up to our barn, and um, he settled in. I mean, he was just really lovely to work with. Um, I think part of that was to do to his weight. He just didn't have a lot of energy, excess energy. I'm to going kind of through that around, right now, actually. <laughs> yeah, so they're always easy, you know, when you first get them home and they're skinny. So you can kind of, you know, work with them. And um, the first the first thing we did was his feet were so covered in manure, I had really had no idea what was underneath there. And uh, his feet were so overgrown, and he was obviously limping on the left front very badly. So I assumed it was an abscess. Well, 
I hosed off his feet, realized he still had all his nails in his feet from his racing plates, but no actual shoes left. So, so that was, that was pretty nasty. So, you know, we scrubbed off his feet to see what were underneath. And I mean, he just, once I scrubbed out his left foot, I could smell the rotting abscesses in there. It was just horrific. So I scrubbed out the best I could. I soaked him up the first day. Um, by the time I got him home, it was pretty late. That came first thing in the morning and proceeded to kind of dig out his foot and find like five traveling abscesses all through his foot. So mm. we had to clean it up, you know, the best we could. And he actually got a medical plate on his foot. So it would be kept completely clean. Um, he had that for a couple of weeks to be kept completely clean. And I thought at that point you could tell something was a little wrong with his hind, but I was thinking, you know, it might be something we can uh, maintain. So my main focus was getting that abscess foot cleaned up and getting weight on him. He gained weight rather quickly and uh, was a good eater, so that was not a problem. And um, the abscesses took a couple months. I think it was probably four months before we had a healthy foot under under there. So it was quite a lot of work for that foot. And as soon as he got sound up front, we realized he was really getting worse and worse behind. Um, we shipped him down to Florida in hopes that we could um, start retraining him and um, put in some kind of program. So before we did that, we ultrasounded his stifle and realized that his stifle was just a complete mess. Uh, me, ever the optimistic, decide let's try to inject his stifle and see if we can make him a little bit more comfortable. Maybe he can be a, a trail horse. Um, we injected it twice and saw zero improvement. Um, so I said, okay, you know, at that point I'm totally in love and invested in mascot and decided that he could be a pasture pet. And he was not very happy being a pasture pet and would actually be very happy in the stall. So I thought, well, let's, you know, try to buy him a buddy. And so I bought him a little mini. And uh, they were very <laughs> you happy. You bought him for a friend. <laughs> I bought him a friend because, you know, that's who I am. So he went to a rather large field at my friend's house with a mini and a big round bale of hay. And he seemed happy. And that lasted about two weeks. And then he decided, no, I don't like the friend anymore. And kind of started running over the friend. And, oh, no. Um, running the fence lines non-stop and I thought oh geez and he would run so much he just loves to run like I've never seen a horse that just loved to gallop and run around the field and he would run so much that he's basically on three legs by the end of every day from his stifle and um I just thought to my like how am I gonna you know keep this guy happy and then he's gonna have to be in the stall the rest of his life and it, at that point also, with him running so much, he was getting almost eight quarts of grain morning and night. Oof. He became kind of a hard keeper because he just he just ran and ran and ran and ran. And Florida is hot, and he's sweating, and his weight just started to go down again. And, you know, I could maintain he looked good, but he just wasn't happy outside. So we kind of talked about it with my vet, and there wasn't really many options we could do other than keep him inside the rest of his life. So we made the very hard decision to euthanize him. Um, so it was not a decision that, that was taken lightly and it was a few weeks of tears and talking. And at the end we decided, you know, that was the best thing for him. And I was happy at the end because he was fat and, you know, he was loved and I'd had him for a while then, and you know, gave him the best shot that I thought I could have given him. I, you know, and and that's the when when you told you know when I heard the end of the story here, and we talked about it by email. You know, I wrote you back and I said, you know, at least he did. He had a happy couple of months with you. He was fat. He had food. He had love. So he died with food and love rather than on a trailer on the way to Canada. Um, yeah, he died overloaded with peppermints. Pepper, he would stick his tongue out for peppermints, and he was such a sucker that I bought like five bags of peppermints, and I just cried and cried and cried and gave him peppermints. So mm-hmm. it was it was very hard for me. He, but, you know, and he he obviously came with some baggage and emotional issues too. Thus, the running and everything else that he had going on up there. Uh, we don't know what he had been through, um, you know, to get to that point. They all come but you with gave some, him a chance. Like, right, exactly. That's the most important thing is that you gave him a chance. And there's so many. I think that's one of the really hard things for people who rescue animals 
and horses in particular is you feel like you wish you could take them all and you could fix them all and give them all a home, but you, you really can only, um, help one at a time. And what you have to come to terms with is how different that help can be, what the different shapes help comes in. And, you know, what makes us different than our non-human counterparts is that we have, we can escort them off into the next life with humanity and with comfort and with safety. So even though they don't survive, you're escorting them to a better place. And that's, I don't know, it's hard. Like you can think about that intellectually, but when you're there shoving peppermints into his face, knowing that it's time to let go. Yeah, it's it's hard. I mean, you you, you have to keep telling yourself that you're doing the right thing. You have yeah. to, you know, that that you that can't this is give him. Yeah, but this is this is what what needs to happen. And also, what a lot of people don't think about is when you have horses like that that you're that you have at your farm. It's taking up a, another spot for a horse that is in need, and that can help, you know, and go on and do something and uh, be adopted out. So that's kind of, you know, I have another pasture pet here that I rescued and he, he's just happy as could be in the field and I have no problem uh, keeping him around. I mean, he's very young and he was destroyed on the racetrack and, and he's just happy and, and that's fine with me and he'll get fed the rest of his life. But Matt's guy, he wasn't happy. So I've got to bring in another one and see if I can make them happy and adopt them out. So now you've had though, um, you've had a lot of success stories doing this, what you've done rescuing horses and ones you're, you're a jumper rider, right? Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I show some... competitively on the a circuit quite actually this year, quite a bit of the time. And uh, I've just got, um, only one rescue right now. And he just found his home last week. So he's, He's just hanging out with me until he gets delivered, but um, he was another New Holland rescue story, but this one was only a $25 horse, so he was kind of a an interesting story. Huh. But he's got a happy ending, got a new home. and He's got a happy ending. He came with, with uh, he had a very light racing career, came, I don't know his history, in the middle from the time he was four until I got him at nine years old, but uh, he came sound and skinny, but sound. So we fattened him up and got him going, and he's going to his new home this week. So I'm really, really excited about that. Well, and of course, you're doing this in addition to having a full-time career riding and, and doing what you do. So, you know, this is taking up time and effort on your part. So thank you for doing that and for being there for for at least some. You know, we can only do it, we can only afford to rescue what we can afford to rescue. But if if all of us can do what we can do, then more of these don't end up on the truck on the way to Canada. So, yep. Um, yeah. Well, now let's get back to um, Susan. Susan, so what have, yes. how have you changed over the last three years with the stories you have seen and what, what, what the blog has become? Um, I think that it started off, when I look back at my first story, I was so appreciative of the of the woman who agreed to let me uh, talk with her. But I think I wrote kind of a very light story, um, happily ever after. And most of the stories I write, I do try to stay positive. Um, but I think that the overall, the the blog has become much more of a mission. Um, and sometimes it's very hard to stick with this. But I like a drama free. Um, zone where uh, it you know which is inclusive of um, the gamut of the horse world. So people on and off the track, people at rescues, people at rehoming organizations, um, etc. You know people who are professional riders. Um, I've even interviewed uh, a few jockeys, and I think that the stories I'm starting to see. I've seen so many things that. Um, have shown me like a depth of caring um, you know, on behalf of you know, the people who, you know, like Melissa, who take these horses in and just do everything for them. Um, and people who, you know, mothers, young mothers who, who say if their kid is going to have a horse, they're getting an ex-race horse, um, which I, that just kind of blows my mind because, you know, there is the whole idea that they're not as safe as other horses. Well, let, let's, at least a trained X-ray source. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, exactly. Yeah. Let me throw let's that in there. That. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, I just think that as the site has grown, I mean, I've tried to 
uh, also just I've tried to you know include some issue reporting and also but but mostly just kind of trying to stay true to this this idea I guess they're kind of like underdog stories if you will where you know you've got a horse it's either a horse or a human. Sometimes the story is more about the person who's gone through something really uh, harrowing and, you know, kind of gets through it, whether it's cancer treatments or the loss of a family member or just something awful. Uh, and they get through it with a horse or, you know, you've, t- you've got a horse like Mascot or others who are in just, you know, at the end, they're at the end of the line uh, when they kind of get plucked to safety. Um, so you, I don't have, know if you, your question, you actually but... have one of those stories right now, um, and you know, the title of it, She Broke Her Back But Held Tight to Her Dreams, and it's about a, a rider in Pennsylvania who broke her back but now is coming back as a para-equestrian. So, you you know, that's exactly what you were just talking about. Sometimes the story is about the people. Right, right. And I just feel like the people, uh, you know, they're like, they're everyday people that are not necessarily famous, but they're... They lead lives that are, you know, in, in small ways, I think, quite heroic. And, you know, they're either out saving horses right out of the kill pens or working exhaustively into the night trying to network on behalf of horses or getting horses transported for free or for reduced rates and and everything in between. And, and it's, just, it's just amazing. I mean, to me, Working on this blog just reminds me that there are very good people in the world, and um, you know it's it's kind of an honor to talk to them. So I think we all have to be reminded of that occasionally. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> because it's so yeah. hard. You know, it's so hard with mainstream press. We only hear the negative stuff. We don't hear the good stuff. So right. yeah, Glenn, do I know I don't that? turn on the news until I, I I work on my blog all day, sometimes into the night, and then. Maybe for an hour or two, I'll turn on the news, and it's like, okay, I've had enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. I gave up on the news about 10 years ago. Right. Yeah, that was probably smart. <laughs> well, this has been great. Thank you so much to the both of you for joining us here. The blog, again, is offtrackthoroughbreds.com. Melissa, do you have a website? Yes. I am actually starting an official um, nonprofit, Thoroughbred Rescue, and so uh, it is double... You're addicted yeah. now, aren't you? Look at Melissa. Yeah, I've been well. I've been working on it for quite a long time. It takes a long time to prepare all that lovely paperwork for the IRS, and now the IRS is um, currently reviewing my paperwork, and of course that takes forever. So um, that's why I'm showing so much while waiting for my nonprofit status. But my rescue website is www.doublerocktbrescue.com. Double Rock TB for Thoroughbred uh, Rescue.com. Yeah. Well, very good. You know, Melissa, we're going to have to get together sometime. We're down here in Ocala, too. So uh, we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to have lunch sometime and, and come out and see your other horses. Perfect. Great. That'll be fun. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Well, let's do this. Uh, let's talk about EquityMFG.com, which is the place for the best manure forks out there, period. Helene and I both use it. Jamie uses them. Uh, Reese and Philip from over in the Dressage Radio Show use them. Pretty much almost everybody at the Horse Radio Network uses them because once you use one of their uh, manure forks, you just won't use anything else. It was so funny the other day. Now that I have a pony, too, we have two stalls to clean, right? Yeah. So, and this pony's in quarantine for two weeks. And I said, and we quarantine everything. You know, the manure buckets, everything gets quarantined. And even the even the manure forks. And I I was tricky the other day. I went out to clean a stall and I took the good equity fork and not the cheap crappy one. <laughs> and I used it and I said, Oh, I didn't I went over to Jennifer and I said, I'm so sorry. I didn't think about it, but I used the equity fork on PT stall and, and the, so that kind of means you're not gonna be able to. So I'll just keep using the equity fork and she's like, You did that on purpose. <laughs> Because because you do feel that passionately about this fork. Once you use this fork, you don't want to go back to using the crappy one you buy at the the, the, the TSC store. You, you just, don't. No, and you know don't. what? The other day we were talking about it because, of course, we talk about it on our show. And I'm like, I'm just going to double check. And I used my other old plain $18, $17 manure fork. And it was so icky. <laughs> it was so icky. Like, it just... And then, and then, wait, and then the best part is, so I have this manure pile um, 
you know, this manure pile and, and I have to turn it cause I compost it. And so I have one of those old school metal pitchforks. Oh yeah. 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 Which is, yeah. You, you really with need one of those for, yeah. yes, with the tines for digging in and, and turning yeah. compost. So I do that. But what I do is I scrape the manure. I scrape the pile down. Like I loosen it up because, you know, after rain and heat and stuff, it gets kind of compacted. And then I take my, um, flex and fork and I start moving it around. And that thing is just so awesome. I realized it's because it's the flexibility of the head. That's right. That makes it not It has a suspension system built into it. Yeah. It really does. And it that's does, what yeah. makes it like, honest to God, it helped me scoop up. I, I don't know. I had you to couldn't have done that with one of the cheap ones. You would have broke the tines. No way. Absolutely <laughs> not. No way. It would have broke. Yep. And, and you know where it would have broke? It would have broke at the base, like where the, yep. where the How handle. How many times have we done that? <laughs> screws in. Oh, my God. And so as I'm playing with this, and of course, I'm thinking about it in my head because we talk about it on the show, I realized, bink, you know, had the epiphany. It's totally the suspension system. It it allows you to scoop under there, and it's and it's strong, and it's durable, and... I'm not blowing smoke, man. This thing is a great little movie. No, I mean, and people can tell how much we love these things. And, and a lot of our listeners have bought them now, and they love them. And they say the same thing. Everybody that gets one of these says the same thing. Is yeah. when they get one, they do not go back. You just can't use the other ones again. And, and now, one of the things that uh, I always say to people is you have three or more stalls you're cleaning, or more than three stalls you're cleaning every day, then you want the shaken fork, which is the, which is the one that has, it's motorized. You just press yep. the button, it shakes for you. Yep. It saves work, it saves bedding, you know, it, 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 it does a good job for you that way. If you have less than three or you're cleaning paddocks, then you want the uh, flex and fork. That's, so you want shake and fork for more than three, uh, flex and fork for three or less, or paddocks. Or, uh, so it's just terrific if you have any kind of handicap at all and you're still wanting to use a manure fork or have to use a manure fork, the shake and fork is the way to go. Um, it, you know, uh, it, it's been good in that situation too. I hear that a lot. So hmm. check it out. EquityMFG.com. We can't say enough good things about them. Well, now it's time to talk product. One of our favorite times of the week with our tack and habit segment. Cue the music. Right, and now on to one of my favorite parts of the Stable Scoop show. It's the Tack and Habit segment. And this week's Tack and Habit segment is sponsored by Sparkle and Boom. It's a new media marketing company for small business owners. They help you find some sparkle to put a little boom in your bottom line, Glenn. Check them out online at sparkleandboom.com. We have an incredible advisory board of business professionals. And on the website, there's a lot of free small business advice. Sparkleandboom.com. Terrific. Well, what's the, you picked out the product for this week, and it's something I know that you use at, at, on your bottom. <laughs> on my bottom. Talk about a little sparkle. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, well, I first got my, my, I got my first pair of Ovation riding breeches from Tack of the Day a gazillion moons ago. And um, it was the first time I was introduced to Ovation apparel. And uh, I bought them because they were, you know, reasonably priced. They were like $69, $70. And um, when they arrived, I was incredibly surprised at the quality of the construction and the material. For those of you who are tailored sportsmen, fans, the tailored sportsman fans. Um, I know they're really popular in the hunter-jumper world. I but guarantee you, Melissa, we, we just talked to wears tailored sportsman, or has. I, yeah. I, I, I happen to love them because the fabric, um, it's sturdy enough that it doesn't, there's a specific weave and, you know, different companies who make the weave have a different name for it, so I'm not going to tell you the brand, but Ovations is called the Euro Weave, and what it, it, it does not cling to you. So it's a, a little bit slicker fabric, it's a little bit more smoother, fabric, um, it does not show your lumps and bumps. That's the most important thing. So even if you wear your britches a little bit on the tighter side, it doesn't show your dimples. <laughs> it's quite elegant. Um, and so, and the seam construction around the waist and the side angled pockets are lovely. I'm very particular and I have to have a side zip. Now, Ovation did make a full seat side zip and I have them in navy blue and 
nothing that anybody says and no amount of money could ever pry them from my hands. <laughs> Unfortunately, they don't make the full seat side zip anymore. But the ones that we're talking about today are side zip and their knee patch. Um, so it's the side zip show breach. It's from Ovation. And you can find them at Equestrian Collections. What do they run price-wise? They retail for about $80.95. Well, it's about half of a tailored sportsman. So Exactly. Yeah. And so it's the, um, if you're looking for the actual name of the product, it's the Ovation Ladies Euro Weave Side Zip Riding Breeches. Um, and I think right now they come in black, beige, and light tan. Um, but Any they're negatives? really just Any negatives well made. The only negatives that I have, and this is sort of true with a lot of with Ovation's breeches, is that the seams are um, from the knee down, like along the calf. You kind of have to get the seam folded just right if you wear your tall boots really, really tight. Mm, okay. Because it doesn't exactly hurt, but when you take your boots off, you'll see the seam. You'll have a dent. Yeah. And you'll have a dent. Yeah. Which yeah, is common some- with a lot of those breeches. Exactly. Um, I happen to be super sensitive and kind of a snit <laughs> about, about everything. Uh, stop. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. So that's the only thing I don't like. But other than that, um, these have a nice, they have a, a low waist, waist, but not totally low, you know, like yeah. where things are showing and yeah. they don't make no a plumber crack with these. No plumber crack. Okay. <laughs> plumber, pl- forget it. <laughs> Plumber's crack. <laughs> They're medium to lightweight, so you can wear them, you know, in pretty much any weather. I, I wore them in 86, 88 degree heat yesterday and today, and I was just fine. Terrific. So, well, yep. you can find those at Equestrian Collections, one of our sponsors, and uh, we'll put a link in our show notes at stablescoop.com as well for those. Yeah, really like them. So another winner product here on, on, uh, on the Tack and Habit segment. And, you know, Ovation's a good company, too. We've dealt with them in the past on some things, and... Uh, they're a good company. So. They are a good company, yeah. Yep. All right, very good. Thank you, Helena, for that. Well, that's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed hearing about about rescue stories and, and uh, everything. You know, I was just thinking about Tack and Habit. You know what this means, don't you? I have a new pony. I don't have anything. I don't have I a know. harness. I don't have a cart. I have to buy everything now. I have to go shopping. We went shopping the other day for the pony, and Jennifer's like, oh, no, here we go. All the, and I know what she was thinking. Now all the tack money is going to go to Glenn. <laughs> all my yep. tack money is going to the pony now. <laughs> oh, hey, I have a good horse story. Yes, yes. Before we go, it's a great yeah, way sure. to wrap up the show. So, you know, my horse has pretty much been sitting around doing a whole lot of nothing for the past couple of months while yep. my life gets turned upside down. So I got back on him and we're slowly getting back to work. We're doing about Brody. 15 to 20 minutes of under saddle time a day just because it's hot and I'm go. not pushing him. But we're going to be riding in a Daniel Stewart clinic coming up really? in August. Yes. And yes. for those of that don't know Daniel Stewart, he's a friend of the Horse Radio Network and of Helene and Eyes and uh, does uh, sports psychology clinics mostly. Yeah. Um, so now who is he helping? You or the horse? Oh, who do you think? Me. My horse is fine. He doesn't have any issues. <laughs> so where are you doing that? Um, it's going to be in, um, it's, it's here in the south coast area of New England. It's um, uh, in Rehoboth, Massachusetts, oh, which cool. is just over the border, about 10, um, 20 minutes from here. So I've, now I'm like, oh, geez, I got to get my horse fit for this clinic. You know, he's been sitting around. He's all fat. He doesn't steer. You know, he does what he wants to do. Um, so I've been riding at like 630 in the morning because we're having a heat wave in New England and the deer flies are out. Mm. And you know how I feel about deer flies. Like I want to kill them with a cannon. Tell people about deer flies that don't have them in their neck of the woods. <laughs> deer flies are, they're heat seeking, dive bombing, half inch sized, Green. brown and black striped. No, those, these are deer flies. We don't oh, have the green deer heads. flies. Okay. You don't have the green heads. The green heads nope. is what I was thinking of. No, deer, deer flies, flies are about as bad. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're they're like whatever. Some they're I swear to God, there's some kind of military creation. Yeah. So anyway, they um so they're we're you know, we're working really hard to kind of get back to work and the deer flies are doing this and doing that. And so we're standing in the in the middle of my schooling field and we're working on square halts. And what appears to my left up on, I have this bank, this rock wall. It's a beautiful bank jump. <laughs> and um, 
There's a, a doe, a huge doe, deer. Huh. And she's looking at us. And Brody's like, well, hello, Miss Deer. <laughs> and of course, what do I do? I go, hello, Miss Deer. And she freaks out at that. She jumps into the field. She jumps oh, no. over my five foot split rail <laughs> fence into the field, passes in front of Brody's nose by like 20 feet and then bounds off over my hot tape and into the woods. He doesn't bat an eye. He's like, oh, whatever. Nice to see you. Well, maybe and then the he deer kinda, comes and visits a lot and you're not looking. And then, But then he kind of turns and looks at me like, you had to scare her off, right? Like, you just had <laughs> to just say something. There? I was looking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted me to halt and I halted. I've been dating her for three weeks. Look what you did. <laughs> I, know. I know, I know. But it was, so even though we weren't able to get a lot of work done under saddle because of the bugs... It was a great confidence builder because now I sort of know how he'll react when a deer comes bounding out of the woods. <laughs> well, that's good. He'll square halt. He'll halt squarely. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Do you know that Wendy down in Sarasota has, a, there's a deer that lives in the paddock in the field um, and it won't leave. It's, a, it's mama. It's had babies in there. It's, apparently it's had visitors at night, but it got in the field and it just will not leave the field. It likes being with the horses. And it, every time we go down to visit Wendy, we, hit, we head on out and we say hi to the little deer. Uh, its babies have left, you know, after they grow up, it le- they leave. But uh, this deer just lives in the paddock. <laughs> it's so funny. It's such a funny thing. And then the horses switch fields, you know, when they go, they have to switch fields to rotate pastures and stuff. The deer goes yep. along. Really? Yep. <laughs> oh, a herd animal is a herd animal. They don't care what herd it is. Isn't that funny? Yeah, that's so awesome. And I don't know about you guys, but I mean, obviously Florida is different, but we have had just a bunny explosion this year. The bunnies are everywhere and they're afraid of nothing. Is that right? See, now we don't have, this is the difference between New England and Florida. We don't have any bunnies. We have a million squirrels because uh, the bunnies get eaten by the hawks. We have a lot of mm-hmm. hawks, and mm-hmm. so they take care of the bunnies. But we, so we see no bunnies. But the squirrels must taste really bad because apparently nothing eats the squirrels. Yeah. Well, you know, back in the day when I was in college and studying, like, I don't know, I wanted mammals. Um, one of the things that we learned was that the wildlife populations will, you know, ebb and flow. That, you know, the coyotes will eat all the rabbits one year, and then the raccoon or the squirrel populate population will blossom. And then... Uh, the mice will blossom and then the hawks. And, you know, so they, they sort of come and go. And apparently this is the year for bunnies in New England. I have not seen a lot of hawks lately. And I've also not seen a lot of moles. Last two years we had a lot of moles. This year it's bunnies and birds. Huh. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. But, uh, and no, no like weasels or fish or cats or anything. That's been kind of... That's fallen off for a while. Hmm. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see things, you know, ebb and flow. But this, this is the bunny year, the year of the bunny. You know what we're seeing a lot of this year, in addition to just a million squirrels and hawks, and we, you know, which we see all the time, is uh, the gopher turtles. We're seeing a lot more gopher turtles. What's a gopher turtle? It's this turtle that has a very rocky-like shell. It's not smooth like a lot of turtles. Um, it's pretty good size. I mean, it's about a foot long, uh, but it lives underground. So that's why they call it a gopher turtle, because it digs like a gopher hole. Um, if you see the holes, you'll know which are gophers and which are the turtles, because the turtle ones are so much bigger. And they live underground, and they burrow like that. And you'll see them come up out every once in a while, and they, they're mossy on top. So when they're in the grass, you can hardly see them. Uh, hmm. They're like camouflage, because they, they have this green mold that grows on the top of them. It's very, they're very strange turtles. It was very strange because their shells are so jaggedy. Um, very strange. We, we had never seen one before we moved here. But we've been seeing quite a few of those this year. Fortunately, <laughs> less rattlesnakes in the neighborhood this year, thankfully. So yeah. Far. And then which one of you, who's got the snake thing and who's got the spider thing? Uh, Jennifer has the spider thing. I have the snake thing. So okay. Right now we're in spider season, so she's having a tougher season this <laughs> year. Well, that's it. Let's call it a day. Thank you, Helena. It's been fun. I appreciate everybody joining us today. You can listen to all all of our past episodes at StableScoop.com. I also have to report that the iPhone and Android applications for the Horse Radio Network, it's going to make it very, very, very simple for you to listen to our shows, have been submitted to the uh, stores, and we're just waiting for approval now. So as soon as they get approved, we'll let you know. Your turn. To do what? (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. 
Well, <laughs> then let me talk. <laughs> For details about today's show, go to StableScoop.com. We will post links, photos, and more information about our guests, particularly about off-track thoroughbreds and information that you can, um, you can find about possibly adopting one. We always love your feedback, so please follow us on Facebook. Just search for Stable Scoop. Uh, we also tweet at Horse Radio. You can follow us on Twitter. We want to hear your thoughts, your feedback. If it's good, send it to me at Helena at HorseRadioNetwork.com. If it's bad, send it to Glenn, Glenn at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Many thanks to our sponsors for today's show, Fleeceworks, who's a favorite of mine, and Equity Manufacturing, also a favorite of mine. Funny how that works, isn't it? Yeah, it is funny how that works. <laughs> Be sure to visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. And uh, Helena's still helping out over on the morning show on Wednesdays for the EquityMFG.com Wheel of Trivia. So, And, and she's with us the entire show co-hosting until Jamie comes back full-time. So uh, please tune in next Wednesday. That's it. Say goodbye, that's it, Helena. Man. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it. We'll be back next week. I'll be back tomorrow on Horses in the Morning. And Glenn and I will be back next week with more State School. Thanks for listening. Bring you the news through hell, hot water While using their tails as their own fly swatters So sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable School Stable School Stable school, stable school.